Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 18. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not to you is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your, are your works that I may that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end, and I am still with you. 2 Kings chapter 11, verse 21 through chapter 12, verse 16. Jehoash was seven years old when he began to reign. In the seventh year of Jehu, Jehoash Jehoash began to reign. He reigned forty years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zabiah of Beersheba. Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all his days, because the priest Jehoiada instructed him. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. The people continued to sacrifice and make offerings in the high places. Jehoash said to the priests, All the money offered as sacred donations that is brought into the house of the Lord, the money for which each person is assessed, the money from the assessment of persons, and the money from the voluntary offerings brought into the house of the Lord, let the priests receive from each of the donors, and let them repair the house wherever any need of repairs is discovered. But by the twenty-third year of King Jehoash, the priests had made no repairs on the house. Therefore King Jehoash summoned the priest Jehoiada with the other priests and said to them, Why are you not repairing the house? Now, therefore, do not accept any more money from your donors, but hand it over for the repair of the house. So the priests agreed that they would neither accept more money from the people nor repair the house. Then the priest Jehoiada took a chest, made a hole in its lid, and set it beside the altar on the right side as one entered the house of the Lord. The priests who guarded the threshold put in, put in it all the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. Whenever they saw that there was a great deal of money in the chest, the king's secretary and the high priest went up, 
counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord and tied it up with bags. They would give the money that was weighed out in the hands of the workers who had the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then they paid it out to the carpenters and the builders who worked on the house of the Lord, to the masons and the stonecutters, as well as to buy timber and quarried stone for making repairs on the house of the Lord, as well as for any outlay for repairs of the house. But for the house of the Lord, no basins of silver, snuffers, bowls, trumpets, or any vessels of gold or of silver were made from the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. For that was given to the workers who were repairing the house of the Lord with it. They did not ask an accounting from those into whose hand they delivered the money to pay out to the workers, for they dealt honestly. The money from the guilt offerings and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord. It belonged to the priests. James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Come now, you rich people. Weep and wail for the miseries that are coming to you. Your riches have rotted, and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have rusted, and their rust will be evidence against you, and it will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure for the last days. Listen, the wages of the laborers are mo- who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous one who does not resist you. Good morning and welcome to the 16th Tuesday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 139, 2 Kings 12, really, and James 5. There's like one one sentence from the 11th chapter of 2 Kings, and then the rest is basically the 12th chapter, in which uh, it's difficult to um, to like understand without some context, <clears throat> but essentially um, Jehoash, who's a pretty righteous king, at least at this point, um, instructs his priests to begin collecting money to restore the temple. Uh, it had become um, old and, and run down. Uh, there was a, a queen of Israel, Athaliah, and her sons who had vandalized the, the temple. Um, and so he wanted to restore it. And he had um, his priests, the Levites, oversee the collection and management of funds in order to restore it. Uh, and I've lived in old buildings. Um, I've lived in buildings that pretend to be old. Um, usually, it's easier to build something new uh, than to restore something old because of all the work that has to go into it. Um, and at first glance, at the first reading, it seemed as though when Jehoash comes to his priest and says, why aren't the repairs done? It seems like maybe the priest has been kind of like squirreling away the cash or you know extorting or embezzling or whatever the word is um but we don't have there's no evidence for that in the text um what seems instead to be the issue is just that it takes a lot of money and time uh to restore important buildings um and so what happens is king joash himself uh uh bores out uh a barrel or a chest 
and sets it right beside the altar, um, which would have been an open courtyard um, that everybody was allowed to enter before, you know, where you'd see the, the ritual sacrifices before they're brought into the enclosed temple, which was the holy uh, the holy place and the holy of holies, which is the altar. Anyway, or the I'm sorry, the, oh my goodness, Temple of Doom, no, the Ark. <laughs> I think of Indiana Jones to remember the name of the Ark. Um, so everybody, as they go in, they see this big collection plate. And the priests are still overseeing it. Um, they are, you know, kind of in charge of the temple. They're the ones who, you know, are still managing the money. Um, and if uh, Jehoash didn't trust them, he would have taken it away, right? But what seems to be the case is that the people didn't trust the system. The people didn't trust uh, the priests to collect the money. I mean, they all seem to... Uh, appreciate uh, the the temple and seem to you know recognize its value, um, but they didn't really recognize the value of the priests holding money. Um, and I think that's still a not uncommon sentiment to you know. I still feel you know kind of an eye roll emoji every time you know you got to pass the hat and somebody mentions what it's for is like go to this little barcode and it's like oh my god are you kidding me like. Um, and part of that is, you know, a certain amount of disenfranchisement or, or being jaded about the institutional church. Part of it also is just like, look, they're not a nonprofit. I don't want them to be experts in money, frankly. Um, I want them to be experts in spiritual care and asking for money. I'd rather, I'd rather there be an exchange that I know what I'm getting as opposed to me just giving people money for God knows what. Um, and so that seems to be the sentiment, the popular sentiment at the time. And so Jehoash puts a, a collection pay, plate right by the front door as you come in. Um, and um, they brought all the money that was donated to this chest, and people could see when it was filling up. And a head of steam kind of grew up, and finally, um, the work started finally to get done. And not just because they had cash, but people recognized that there was kind of a direct line uh, with, you know, between, you know, the money and what it represented, right? So it's not going to some drawer that only the priests seem to have, you know, visibility of. It's right there in front of you. Um, and everybody sees how much money there is. It's like having one of those little thermometers, right? And you see exactly how much money, except you actually see the actual money. Um, you know, it's, you know, in a way, it's cutting out the middleman. There was, there's still a middleman, but the middleman is just transparent, right? The, the little drawer is right there where everybody can see it. And then once people gain more trust in the system and the, you know, the value and the, the needs, um, then the workers themselves begin going to work and not, you know, either not charging money or charging only what they really need. Um, they, <clears throat> um, they gave them money directly into the hands of the workers, um, and they paid it out to them um, to buy wood and quarry stone. Um, but, and this is the important part, no, like, fancy little trinkets... 
and that's this verse 13, basins of silver, snuffers, bowls, trumpets, or any vessels of gold or of silver. So nothing fancy. It's pragmatic, like cut the stone, cut the wood, make it work, restore the temple. Um, And so there's there's very little embellishment. There's transparency in in where the money is going. Um, And this seems to work for them. Um, it's not unlike, you know, when the very first, you know, when the tabernacle was and all its accoutrements, uh, were, were the product of the overflowing hearts of artisans. It's not exactly the same. They're getting paid for their work and they're paying for the materials, but people are, are, this is a, a transparent and just economy. Um, and it's not that, that the earlier one was unjust, it was that it was not transparent. Nobody saw where all the money was going. Here, it's all very clear. It's going directly into the hands of the workers. And this passage, it, it feels like I have friends who would look at this and be like, yeah, that's, you know, fuck capitalism kind of thing. Um, and I don't doubt that it actually happened. This is the time of the divided kingdom, and so there were good actors and bad actors. Some of the bad actors had power and some of the good actors didn't have power. Um, but the idea, I have like mixed feelings about it. On the one hand, when I was in Iraq, was it me really? I think, yeah, I think I held the money bag. So in, in Iraq, there was this practice of like when, when we fucked up or, you know, something seemed wrong, we would give cash to property owners heads of households, to compensate them for um, damage to their property, right? And the idea is, like, cut out the middleman. You know, give them the money they need to uh, restore their property. But then we started, I don't know when it happened. It was not the original intent of these bags of cash. I remember, like, wads of cash. I think it was American cash. I can't remember. Eventually, we started giving it to people who had family members who were hurt or killed. Um, And then, you know, you can't give all the money, right? So you have to set a number and make it fair so that everybody knows um, that everybody gets the same. The problem with that is then you literally put a price on someone's head, right? So for a broken arm, you get $100 American dollars. For um, losing your sight, maybe you get $500. And then maybe I don't I don't know what it was, but perhaps you cap it at a thousand dollars for someone who's killed, unjustly and and um, mistakenly. Um, and on the one hand, you can see where this is well intentioned, but it also can be very easily exploited, or it can just be you know kind of innocently um, corrupted. Like we were literally putting a price on people's heads. It's not to like go out and kill them like a bounty, but like this is what your life is worth, $1,000. Um, and I don't doubt, again, I don't doubt that this happened, um, that historically it's, it's possible. I, I can imagine a just society in which a just exchange of labor and material and everything else, right? I, I understand that. But it's also corrupted and and misshapen for really well-intentioned despite really good intentions and very very subtly in the way that i've experienced um 
And that's why James has this warning to rich oppressors. You know, if you read if you read the earlier passage and you're not quite sure what's going on, it sounds like the priest, Jehoiada, has is like extorting money or what did I say, embellishing. No, no. Embe- embezzling. Um and that like that at first pass that's what I thought. I was like, no, 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 that can't be right. Um and sure enough, you know, you do a little research and it turns out, okay, th- that isn't what happened. But this very, it's so easy to turn a good intention into a, just a horrible, horrific effect. And that's why James has this warning to rich oppressors, um, many of whom are probably well-intentioned. Um, and it feels like it's this reflection back onto Second Kings. It's not supposed to be. Um, Jehoiada was not a rich oppressor. As a Levite, he had no property, he had no land. Um, he dutifully worked in the temple. But his dutiful service, um, or through his dutiful service, he he knew how much money they had, and he knew it wasn't enough to get the work done. And so they kept you know, saving what little money came in until finally uh, Jehoash comes up with this new idea and, and fixes the problem, right? It's not that Jehoiada did something wrong. It's that Jehoash had a good idea and it worked. But we have to be careful with these really good ideas that we have that get out of hand without us even knowing it. I remember having to have this conversation with, I think it was my lieutenant, like how much do we really want to give them cash for people who are injured or killed? What, kind, what, what will that do? And the que- on the surface, the question was, what is the cap? How, how, what is the maximum we can give them because someone was killed? And we call up to hire, and they tell us whatever it was. Maybe it's $1,000. Good intentions all around. Um, but that didn't, that didn't change the effect. We had put a, a, a value on a human life. Um, and so we have to be careful um, the warning is not just to rich oppressors. The warning is to all of us um, with our good intentions, with the ideas that we have in our heads that, you know, begin in, you know, a kernel or a mustard seed of of goodness, um, that we have to be um, diligent throughout the process and from, you know, point A to point Z um, to make sure that the intent uh, the means are not divorced from the ends, you know, from the effect that, um, you know, we have to play this out and understand how good intentions can be skewed um, through just really subtle nuances of power and, um, and injustice. Because if we, if we aren't diligent, um, then injustice and evil finds a way, um, despite, you know, how great an idea we might think it is, uh, things can always go sour and can and I don't think that we're immune from responsibility when they do. A prayer for the right use of God's gifts from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, whose loving hand has given us all that we possess, grant us grace that we may honor you with our substance and remembering the account which we must one day give, may be faithful stewards of your bounty through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 
Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.